Welcome back to the podcast. My guest today is Heather Kelly from Heather's Choice. She's the founder. This is her second time being on the podcast. She was on in 2019. And um, a lot has happened since then. Not only the name change of the podcast, but of course, uh, you know, the pandemic and all that stuff. So uh, thanks for being back on here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I was telling my staff earlier that if I could just record podcasts full time, that'd be lovely. Spend less time in spreadsheet land, more time talking to people. <laughs> it, it's such a cool gig to just be able to meet interesting people. And they, there's no end to interesting people. If you can just make it happen, it's just, it's so great to, to meet people. Yeah, absolutely. And it's nice to, like I say, step away from my desk and just be here to yeah. tell stories and make people laugh and whatever, whatever we get into. <laughs> yeah. Um, so a little bit about Heather's Choice started in uh 2014 to make lightweight packable meals, breakfasts, dinners, packaroons. Uh, it's an Alaska business. I'm a huge fan of the uh, the bison chili. I think that's probably my favorite. And of course, the packaroons. You can't say no to those things. So, um, what's uh, what's kind of the been the progression of that? How often do you add new new things? How many uh, do you sort things out, or do you uh, cycle things out? You know, we started with the original menu in 2014, which was honestly just things that suited my palate, which I like bold flavors. I like spicy stuff. I like things to be a little over the top. And so since then, we've really refined the menu. We've gotten way better at, you know, our whole process, right? Because I started making meals eight at a time on little tabletop dehydrators Now we've scaled up all the recipes and we make meals 300 at a time, which is still small scale in the world of food. But in March of 22, we did a full menu update. So we added grass-fed beef shepherd's pie, morning glory oatmeal, Swiss muesli. The bison chili is a totally new recipe in the last, I guess, year and a half, almost two years now. And honestly, there's a woman named Brittany that works in the kitchen with us. She's originally from Nome and actually has a culinary background. And so when she applied to work at Heather's Choice, I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) can you please help me? And she gets all the credit for how awesome the recipes are today Mm -hmm. because she's, she's been instrumental in helping me scale everything up, bring recipe ideas to life. Now we're just trying to make enough of this stuff to keep up with demand. So that sucks some of the creativity out of it, but I hope there's a world where I can get back in the kitchen and start playing Mm -hmm. with recipes again. You said spike in demand. Um, It was on last, it was last Friday, the 12th that uh, you appeared on Shark Tank. So how have the, uh, the orders been uh, since that? It's been wild. You know, that's kind of the, the Shark Tank effect that they talk about when we, aired on the east coast on friday so that was four o'clock our time i think we had forty thousand visitors to the website it was just nuts and we i think we received 900 orders through amazon which is amazon's just like a necessary evil right you have to have a placement there you have to be on that channel otherwise somebody else is going to put your products up there and what we realized was oh my gosh one there's half the country that's potentially never heard of us before. Like the entire East coast just blew up our website. And then two, it's amazing how many people buy food on Amazon. I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> so We've already learned a lot of lessons just in the last few days since it aired. And it's really heartwarming to see the feedback that we've gotten from folks saying, 
you know, I am so stoked to have this with me in case of emergency. I'm stoked to be able to have this for a quick and easy breakfast. I'm stoked to have this as I'm recovering from knee surgery, you know, stuff that wasn't the original intended use for the product. But that's been probably the thing I've been grappling with the most in the last year is accepting the fact that Heather's Choice isn't just for my dirtbag pack rafting friends anymore. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know why anybody would ever go to a grocer's freezer and pick up like a hungry man dinner. You can get much better quality stuff from, you know, the, the outdoor section of, of stores or you know, like you said, necessary evil, go on Amazon and buy some good stuff. So uh, as far as Shark Tank goes, um, I think I, I read, saw, heard something that you applied um, you were among 50,000 people that applied 150, um, are filmed and only 80 people are aired. Is that about right? Those are the numbers that I know. Cause if you search the internet, like you can find that information that over 50,000 companies apply every year. And that is the tricky part is you can go through that whole process of being selected to film, but there's no guarantees you'll ever actually make it on air. Mm -hmm. So I think this, I think I did the math on this and it was like, your chances of getting on air are 0.0016%. That's worse than like drawing a dull sheep tag. Like that's uh, those are horrible odds. Totally, Totally. So when you applied, like, what were you? Once you got accepted, we thought, oh, this is really, really cool, but there's no way I'm going to be filmed or then or it's it's going to air. So how did that whole progression come? Cool. Awesome. We're accepted. We're going to be filmed, but it's not going to be aired. Oh, wait, it is going to be aired. How did that all happen? Oh, my gosh. This is such a ridiculous story. So as an entrepreneur, you know, every time you meet somebody and you tell them you have a business, they're like, oh, my gosh, you should go on Shark Tank. <laughs> So after hearing that a hundred thousand times, I was like, sure, I'm just going to go to abc.com. I'm going to throw my name in the hat and forget about it. Right. This was January of 22, no January of 23. And so then April rolls around and I get a phone call. Hey, my name is so-and-so and and I'm with Shark Tank and wondering if you have time for like a 15 minute chat. And it's like this flurry of excitement, like, oh my gosh, we actually got a call. Right. Right. And then they put you through a whole rigmarole of, you know, submitting a audition video, you sign over the rights to your firstborn child, like it's, it's all under wraps. It's like the fight club of TV. And so we went through all of that. And it was basically like, okay, well, if we call you, you're moving on to the next stage. If we don't call you, the road ends here, right? Sort of like a we'll call you don't call us sort Mm -hmm. of thing. Did they give you a timeline? Or is it just like at some point in the next year? (laughs) Yeah, they're like, we'll be in touch. And so then I think it was late May that I got another email that's like, hey, you're still in the running, want to introduce you to some producers, and they're going to keep testing you, right? Because they're looking for a lot. They're looking for the viability of your business. They're looking to see if you're camera worthy. They're looking to see if you have any personality, any charisma. Do you have a good story to tell? So we went through that process with them June, July, and August. And then before I knew it, it was like, okay, well, we bought you a ticket to LA. You're coming down in early September and still no guarantees, but like, here's your plane ticket. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) So I went down in early September. 
filmed, which I could write a book about that experience. I'd never been to LA before, never Mm. been to Sony studios, never been on a TV set. Like the whole, you get the whole experience. Like if I could say anything about it, Shark Tank is world-class. Like Mm. just the whole production is so impressive. And everybody who works there is so nice. And they're a well-oiled machine. This is their 15th season. So all of that was wild. I filmed and then it was basically like, okay, well, if you're going to air, we'll let you know three weeks prior. Mm. And so we waited, waited. And then December rolled around and it's like, hey, just want to let you know you have an air date. And then it was this whole flurry of activity to get ready for it. So yeah, it's been a really wild, awesome, cool experience, not only for me, but obviously for my whole staff getting to see this whole thing come to fruition. Mm-hmm. I looked at the application and it's pretty, It's you check some boxes, email, occupation, business, product name, website, whatnot. But there's a, and I keyed in on this because as a high school English teacher, kids always talk about their applications and how they, how do I say what I need to say in 400 words or 200 words? you know, because my college acceptance is writing on this or my scholarship acceptance is writing on this. So when it said, um, are you applying with any collaborators pretty easy, a brief non-confidential description of your business or product? Like, how do you, how did you answer that? How, how much did you edit that? Did you like, you're trying to make a pitch, but it's typed out. How how did you approach that? Are we like, well, it's not going to happen anyway. So I'll just do my best and see what happens. Yeah, I feel like I've gotten pretty good at our elevator pitch. You know, I always tell people we make lightweight, packable meals and snacks for adventuring, the end. And that's only come from many, many years of pitching the business, many, many years of having to describe what you do in your seven second elevator pitch. So I don't think that I really overthought anything. Mm. I just threw my name in the hat and said, we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Was that a skill that you had when you started the business? Because then I, I'm looking at so many different angles to try to make things applicable for my students and like no one wants to be an English teacher. And so it's more about, okay, how can I use the language in a way? And entrepreneurs have to be thrifty, efficient, and purposeful with their language. So you have to be, you don't have necessarily have to have an elaborate vocabulary, but you have to be very good at being clear and concise with your, with your language. Have you always had that trait or is it something that you really had to work on and develop as, as the business has, has continued. There's definitely a lot of life experience that has contributed to now. One of the first ones I can point to is being a raft guide, honestly, and having to deliver a safety briefing to a hundred, 120 people at a time and having to make sure that I communicate clearly enough to these group of people. Like if you fall in the water, there's a chance you could die. Like, you know, in nicer terms than that, but trying to really get your point across. And then my first business that I started was doing sports nutrition and eating psychology coaching. And if I was going to give myself a little endorsement, I think that I can do a pretty darn good job of taking really complex nutrition science heavy concepts and make them applicable to you in your everyday. And that only came from years of trying to yammer at people about lipids and insulin sensitivity and ghrelin and hunger hormones. And like, you just watch people glass over. They're not listening. (laughs) You can just tell like, okay, I've lost them. How do I bring them back to real life? So I think that was a contributing factor. And then also early on in the days of Heather's Choice, 
we were recruited for the Launch Alaska Accelerator Program up here. And that allowed me to spend an entire summer learning how to pitch the business. And I think all of those things stacked together have allowed me to get into these situations where I can pitch the business, communicate the idea, and do it in as succinct of a way as possible, and then let people's questions kind of guide the conversation from there. So then, and the other element of that is like a having presence and having charisma. So obviously you had that because you've, you've been in the business and you've, you've interacted with people and you've got a lot a big following when you're getting ready for the show, how did you kind of ready yourself to be TV ready, but also be authentic? Is that, was there like this, this duality thing going on or was it just take a breath or was it, Hey, this isn't even like real. I'm, I'm Frank the tank from old school and I'll just see what happens. Yeah. I typically shoot from the hip on everything, right? Like I can come on and do these podcasts all day long because I'm just an open book. And my dad told me early on that if you uh, don't tell any lies, you never have to remember anything, right? So it's like, if you're speaking the truth, you don't have to jog your memory. Like, what do I say next? And going into Shark Tank, you do have a 90 second pitch that is pre-scripted. You have to memorize it. You have to deliver that pitch perfectly because you don't get extra takes, right? You walk out onto that set. There's Mr. Wonderful. There's Mark. There's Lori. There's all the sharks and you have one shot at it. (laughs) So that was hard for me to actually practice a script and to memorize it. That was a challenging part. But then my MO afterward was, I'm just going to be authentic. I'm just going to be honest. And of course, I know my numbers. I know my stuff. I've been in the business for a long time. But the crazy part about Shark Tank is they're all asking you questions at the same time, right? Mm. Like they're all talking over each other and you have to just decide (laughs) who am I going to answer? And that part is really intimidating. But again, it's television. They're trying to create some drama. So you're just you know, and trying to anticipate it as best you can, but they are there to throw you off your game Mm -hmm. and to create some suspense. (laughs) Did you have a chance to meet him beforehand or was it like you meet everybody else and then until you walk down the hallway, that's the first time? No, that was it. There's one piece of the puzzle where they've done your hair and makeup, they've put your microphone on, you're standing at the end of the hallway and they let you practice once. Like, okay, I need you to walk down this hallway and hit your mark. And then you're going to stand here and wait for us to adjust the lighting. And then we're going to say go. But I could walk down the hallway and like see Mark and I could see Kevin, but I never got to meet them. Mm. So it is very intimidating. I was shaking like a leaf at the end (laughs) of that hallway. (laughs) What would you do to get amped up? Are you just like a calm, take care of it? Were you like thinking about throwing up? Like what, what's in your mindset beforehand? You know, people talk a lot about having the positive mindset and just being really, really confident. And other people say, you know, just clear your head. What, what were you like in the minutes leading up to walking down the hallway? You know, I was, I was pretty calm because I've done a lot of public speaking. This is ridiculous, but a year prior, I had done my first bodybuilding competition where you literally walk out onto a stage wearing a little sparkly bikini. And I do think that helped. It was like, okay, I've practiced stage presence. Like I've, I've done a lot of just public speaking or opportunities to step up on a stage. So that wasn't new. But honestly, I was just so beat up 
from the last year of fundraising and so tired and exhausted that it was like, I can't really overthink this. Whatever happens, happens. I'm just going to go out there and do my best. So it's also a crazy dynamic because they film eight companies a day. We were number seven of eight. So it was the end of the day, right? Like four or five o'clock that I'm like, all right, here we go. And so you'd had all day for your adrenaline to just dump multiple times. Mm. (laughs) So yeah, I had too much time to think about it. And by the time I was ready to walk out there, it was just go time. Yeah. How was the sleep beforehand? Were you just planning what you would say? Were you planning the, the speech or the pitch over and over in your head? Were you pacing, sleeping, too much caffeine, not enough? No, I, I slept really well just knowing, similar to when I raced crew in college, there's an element of the training's already been done. Whatever you've done to train is now in the books. And now you just have to go out and execute your race plan. And that's really how this was for me. And I had a conversation with one of my business mentors in the hotel the night before. And he's like, you know, you've practiced, you've practiced a ton, you've put in the work, you've done the training, and now you just have to go out there and execute your race plan. So that allowed me to sleep easy. (laughs) As a side note, were you three-time or four-time national champion? When I was in college, we won four consecutive national championships, okay. and I was in the varsity eight for two of those years. Nice. And that was at Western Washington? Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Great school. Uh, <laughs> I, had a, I had a couple, or maybe maybe one buddy from high school that went there, and I think a former student uh, went there for a little bit. So that's pretty that's pretty cool. Um, so once you're finished with with that, like you got pretty honest in there. Um did you kind of assume that that sort of honesty and the numbers were going to come out? And, and were you worried about that? You say that you're an open book, but still that's being revealing on that sort of scale can be pretty, I don't know, pretty, pretty not, not a lot of people would be willing to either admit that or be comfortable with that. So how, how did that go? When I was going out there, I knew that, you know, the fact that we haven't been profitable was going to come up. I knew that debt was going to come up and, I also knew that I had an opportunity to be honest and vulnerable in such a way that was going to really relate to the other entrepreneurs that I know. Like I've spent all year talking to other founders who either had to liquidate their businesses, sell their businesses, shut them down, pivot, whatever it is. Like 2023 was a hard year for many, many, many businesses. And there's a part of me walking away from that experience being like, wow, the other entrepreneurs like me who have lost countless nights of sleep, wondering how they're going to make payroll. Every single entrepreneur who heard that was just gutted, right? Because they know that experience, they know that struggle. And I think there's a part of me that just realizes there is a lot of silent suffering that can happen for founders. Like entrepreneurship is very trumpeted. It's very celebrated. It's Mm -hmm. sexy in a lot of ways. And there's a reality that it's really hard. And it's really hard when you are trying to build a team, when you're trying to grow, when you're trying to fundraise, when you're trying to find product market fit, when you're developing a process. I mean, there's not a part of entrepreneurship that I personally haven't struggled with. And I feel like that's a little bit of a service that I was able to do in that moment was to hopefully let other entrepreneurs feel like they're not alone in the struggle. 
because that's the reality of it. It is not all people throwing money at you and butterflies and rainbows and <laughs> uh, glamour. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. I, when I, when I was watching that, I, I thought it's, it's super, super relatable because it goes essentially down at its core to anybody who wants anything in a difficult sort of realm, putting themselves out there. There's a lot of very easy, comfortable paths that you can take, but just going for something and jumping in those. Like I have some students who think that I'm a big shot because I published a book. I'm like, it's self-published on Amazon. This is not a big deal whatsoever, you know? And, and their perception, I was like, oh my gosh, you must be raking in. I'm like, no, not at all. And that's, it's, it's way different, but it is also that like, you, you look at some numbers sometime again, it's way different. You know, I, I have a full-time job and so it's, it's, it's totally different, but there's that aspect that I was like, man, I can't imagine that being the full-time thing and just what that would feel like. But then you get inspired by people who do that. We hear so many stories, like you said, with entrepreneurs who make it and they just believed in everything and they burnt the ships and they, you know, no plan B and it worked out great. But how many people are, they're in the process of making that happen. And people talk about an overnight success takes 10 years and all these things They struggle to get to that point. And I don't think we hear a lot of that. So I think that's what probably resonated with a lot of people, not just in entrepreneurship, but just, you know, across the board, that honesty that you had there when you were talking about it and like, yeah, things are, things aren't always awesome in anything that you're pursuing. And that's, that's part of the thing, whether you're, you know, side hustle podcaster like myself um, or, you know, full-time entrepreneur. So that was um, hit, hit in the heart a little bit there, but. Yeah, totally. And I feel like right now we're in a world where, with things like Instagram, where you see people just making money hand over fist, being influencers or being Amazon affiliates or whatever it is, like for some people, money just comes easy, I guess, or they sure make it look like it. I have consistently struggled throughout from the day one of Heather's Choice. It's been a struggle. And I don't know why that is other than you know, it's just been a really steep learning curve for me. I didn't know what a margin was when I started Heather's Choice. I had no concept that I was getting into manufacturing. I didn't know how to build company culture, didn't know how to build a team. And so what we have here today has been really hard earned. And that needs to be okay. Because mm -hmm. if you read the stories of Cliff Bar, of Nike, of Starbucks, like these big companies that we see today all started as an idea. Like Howard Schultz pitched the business, I don't know how many times. And people were like, nobody is going to pay $7 for a cup of coffee just because they can sit on a leather couch in your cafe. Mm -hmm. Well, those people were very, very wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it took a lot of tenacity and it took a lot of perseverance. And I feel like we don't hear those stories often enough. We hear a lot more of overnight success and quick, easy money and resting on, you know, your laurels and just things coming easily. But that's, that's not my reality. My reality mm -hmm. is that all the things I've done have been really hard earned and I've become a better person for it. Mm -hmm. So that evening, um, how, how are you feeling afterwards? I mean, you absolutely crushed it up there. Um, maybe didn't Thank get the, the result that you wanted, but you knew, like you talked about before, there's going to be a shark tank bump. So, um, were you happy, satisfied? Were you somewhat like, what was that? What was that evening? Like, uh, I mean, the whole, the whole thing has been satisfying just 
getting to share it with my team, right? And realizing people like my employee, Brooke, or my employee, Kyle, or my partner, Brad, so few companies get to have this Shark Tank experience and getting to share it with them and realizing this is a moment in time that they will never forget. That's pretty darn cool. Mm -hmm. So I am really happy with the experience that I had getting to work with the Shark Tank team, getting to share all of this with my team and the fact that we're still here because there was a couple of months there where it was like, I don't know if we're going to make it. Like, I don't know if we're going to make it to our air date. So I, I right now have just a ton of gratitude. And I feel like even though I was in there filming for an hour and I didn't get to see the edit before it went on live television, I feel like Shark Tank put out a really tasteful edit and I feel like it honestly left people wondering what happened, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? which is a great opportunity for us to kind of keep the conversation going and keep people in our little corner of the world sharing how we are building something big and we are building something that matters and we are working to build something that can have a global impact. And that takes time. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, um, one of the things that I, again, I, I look through things as ways that I can kind of convey uh, to to my students. That was one of the takeaways from it. Um, just the the authenticity of it, the the struggle, but also like seeing people who are genuine make you want to be involved in those sort of things. Like it, the culture that you create is is a, a reaction to um, you as a person, and then uh, the employees too. Everyone buys into that culture, which which is really great. Um, and then, yeah, I'm definitely going to be talking about it in class and uh, might even share the podcast with, uh, with some students whenever, because it's just an important thing to have those conversations. So they have a better avenue if they want to, uh, to go through this. Um, so what's, uh, what's on the horizon? What, uh, what do you got planned? Oh my gosh. Well, first things first, we need to fill these few thousand orders that came in over the weekend. So like getting food out the door. The other thing that people probably saw in the episode is that, the Sharks made a really clear statement that the meals are for everybody, right? And I have struggled for the last year going out there and fundraising, trying to raise money for the business and having people say to me, you know, Heather, I don't see how Heather's Choice ever gets big enough to be, you know, a really sizable business if you're only selling to backpackers. And it's just not a sexy enough opportunity. And like, I'm just not interested. And I really was nervous, just like, gosh, if I change the messaging, if I change the imagery on the website, if I make Heather's Choice more approachable to the everyday consumer, do I water it down for my core customer? Mm. Now having received hundreds of messages from people saying like, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. This is so much bigger than just the backcountry. This is great for moms. This is great for the elderly. This is great for people in emergency situations. This is great for busy people who are going to work every day. It's given me the permission slip that I needed to incorporate that more into the brand and to kind of make the bold statement that Heather's Choice is for anybody who's on the move. And Mm -hmm. that doesn't have, it can be going off on an extended multi-day backcountry trip but it can also support you in your everyday life. When you're racing out the door, you didn't have time to pack a lunch, but you need something that is healthy and you need something hot and you need it to be packable. You need it to be really convenient. 
And so it's, there's an intimidation factor there for me, for sure. Cause again, uh, we make these meals 300 at a time. <laughs> so the idea of scaling all of that up and making 10 times as much, like how do you maintain the quality as you do that? How do we grow the business without losing our company culture, without losing touch with our core consumer that has gotten here today? So there's been a lot of mental anguish and a lot of struggle for me to fully commit to becoming more of a lifestyle brand and less of just an outdoor brand because outdoor is, is who we are. That's mm -hmm. born and bred in the outdoors. And it's a group of people that we love to serve. And now I'm just sort of ruminating on, okay, how do we continue to serve the customers who got us to this point while simultaneously approaching new markets and making ourselves more accessible? And that's a creative challenge that I'm excited about because I witness it every single day. You know, we have 10 employees here at Heather's Choice, and I bet there's 15 times a week that I will witness somebody eating a Heather's Choice Morning Glory oatmeal or a spinach curry with chicken and rice or the bison chili just at their desk or on their lunch break. And that to me communicates this is being of service. This is mm -hmm. feeding people in their everyday life, which feels really good. Yeah. Being able to stand by the product. I'm not sure there'd be a lot of people who would stand by some of the other, uh, the hungry man meals that are in the, uh, in the grocer's freezer or some of that other really, really quick stuff. Sometimes it can be a good guilty pleasure, but there's a profound difference between having quality food and just something to fill the stomach. Totally. Yeah. And you know, if, if I did nothing else in my life, but feed people good food, I'd be satisfied with that. And so having the support of the team who actually make the product, who do the taste testing, who do the recipe development, you know, I have tons and tons and tons of support from the people here at Heather's Choice. And that makes it easier for me to get out there and to communicate the vision. Like, hey, we're here to feed people good food in whatever capacity we can. So I hope that that, I hope that transition goes smoothly. And I feel like Shark Tank just gave us that green slip to like go for it and to be really I guess bold would be the right word and very confident in the fact that we can feed everybody mm -hmm. awesome uh well I know you got a lot of orders to get back to uh really appreciate your time uh, again it was great uh, great seeing you on there thank you for uh, representing Alaska well and the products well and it's um just very inspirational stuff. So where can people find you? Where can people add to that uh, massive uh, pile of, of orders that you have to fill? Yeah, absolutely. People can find us at heatherschoice.com. They can shop the full adventure menu there. We have just add hot water breakfast, just add hot water dinners, and then our world famous pack runes, which come in eight adventurous flavors. They can also find us on Amazon. We are in REI across the country, Sportsman's Warehouse, Shields, we have a ton of independent retailers like the Hoarding Marmot, Barney Sports Chalet here locally. And yeah, I encourage people to come find us on Instagram where we try to give people some behind the scenes. Because again, we have myself, Brad, Brooke, Abby, Quinn, Brittany, Kyle, Austin, Amy, Aaron, Taylor. We have a whole group of people showing up here every single day to kind of bring this vision to life. And if there was anything I could do in the next year, it would be to really highlight the people that have stood beside me over the last 12 months because uh, it's been a struggle and they're all still here. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, you know, if you, people believe in leaders, and if you're a good leader, people want to follow. So that's a, that's a, a reflection of you. Yeah, try to take care of people because, again, not only does everybody need to be well-fed, everybody needs a community, right? Right. So exactly. I'm grateful that we have that here. Right. Well, thanks again for your time. Really appreciate it, and uh, we'll we'll be in touch. All right. Thank you. <laughs>